0: There was a picture of him. He looked exactly like I did as a child. And I had never seen anybody that looked like me.
1: Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPEs can share their story. welcome to episode 80. Today, I am speaking with Zadi. Hi, Zadi. Hi, Lily. How are you? I'm good. I'm glad to be speaking with you again tonight.
0: Me too. I'm so happy to be here and finally get my story out. And I just want to say thank you for providing the platform for many of us. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I've been connecting
1: with you on social media. I'm I'm really excited to hear about this international trip you just took, which I hope you will share a little <laughs> bit at the end at the end of your
0: story today. And I've listened to probably every episode and a lot of them have really helped me. I resonate with a lot of it.
1: Oh, do you? Oh, that's yes. wonderful. I mean, that's yeah, that's why I'm recording everyone's stories is yeah, we just get so much out of listening to other people.
0: There's a little something in every story that I think hits home.
1: It really does. It really does. Okay, so I'm going to hear your whole story today. We've spoken before, but I haven't really heard it from the beginning. So um, tell me about your childhood and what your original family was like.
0: So my original family was a family within a family. So I lived with my grandparents and my mom. But along with that, there was two of my aunties and two cousins that lived with us. Um, So my grandparents had seven children, um, four boys and three girls. And while all the boys went off and married, the daughters never, they never did. They had children, but they always kind of stayed with my grandparents. Um, I grew up in Texas. My mother, my aunties, and a couple of their friends were like heavily involved in the Persian community. So a lot of their friends were persian men and women particularly um they dated a lot of the military men that were stationed at the various bases in um, san antonio texas which is where i was born um you know i would ask her about my dad even at the young age of like gosh between three and five i knew you know from television and so on that everybody had a dad and i knew that mine was absent didn't really know why but i'd ask her you know Tell me about my dad. And she told me different stories. And I guess she told me these stories to keep me happy. Um, You know, one time she told me that she'd been married to my dad. But that my dad being a foreign man, he had to leave. She said, mostly all foreigners go back to their country, especially when they're in the military. So that's what I came to know. And that's what I believed. And as time went on, like she had stacks of pictures Um, with him where they were downtown or they were out at the Riverwalk or different places. So I started to believe it. But every time I saw this picture and I searched my own face in the mirror, I just wasn't feeling it. I was like, are you sure, mom? She was like, yes, that's your father. That's your father. You look exactly like him. So, you know, you're a child and you kind of just believe what the adults tell you. But, you know, I knew that my family was was different. Um, They were a bit dysfunctional. First of all, like, my mother, um, she was not too educated. She left school in the fourth grade. Um, Back then, I guess it was kind of the norm. She stayed home to, like, help her mom at home, but my mom had, like, a lot of, I guess you would say baggage because she... She wasn't the typical mother. She wasn't too motherly with me. She was kind of like, she wasn't around much. I knew from a young age she had been hospitalized. And um, my grandfather had actually put her in the hospital because she was suffering from deep depression, anxiety, and... You know, she was kind of in and out of the hospital that I can recall maybe two times. So she had mental limitations, you know, along with the fact that she left school really young. Um, I suspect she had dyslexia. She always had a hard time reading and writing. Um, And she never did end up getting married. Like I said, she used to tell me these stories. She told me that she'd been married to my father Then another time, I guess my mom would forget the story she would tell me. But me as a child, I was like taking in every word and, you know, memorizing. And so then one time she said, no, I was never married to your dad. He was my boyfriend. He was a boyfriend that I had. And so I knew something was amiss. Something was wrong because, you know, um, things just didn't add up. Even at a young age, I knew that things didn't, they just didn't add up. So after her hospitalization, she was she was going out a lot. Sometimes she wouldn't come home. She'd call and say she wasn't going to come home. Um, it left me feeling sad and rejected. But I mean, what could I do? She told me her therapist had advised her that it would be better for her to be more social and not be home depressed. It was hard on me, but I just learned that it was better when I you know, just didn't make a big deal because when she was home, it was worse. She'd spend all day in bed or she wanted to be left alone. She rejected me if I tried to like give her a hug or any affection. Um, And oftentimes she didn't even bother to like get up and brush her teeth or comb her hair. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew that she just seemed happier, you know, when she was going out. The only thing is that When my mom was gone so much, I suffered a lot. I was belittled and insulted by one of my aunties. I'll call her Aunt Elle. So Aunt Elle had a son. He was um, my cousin P. So we kind of grew up like siblings under the same roof, except at every chance he made sure to tell me that I was ugly or dark or, you know, he wouldn't let me play with his toys or just, At first, it started off kind of innocently like that. But as we got older, it was worse. He would, like, bully me or he would hit me. And, you know, my auntie as well, she would, like, make fun of me and stuff. And my mom didn't really notice all that going on. Um, And when she did, she would just tell me, well, don't bother them and they'll leave you alone. So oftentimes, I just retreated to my books. I read a lot of books or I'd go play outside in my like I had like a monkey bar swing set, I'd play out there. Um, I knew not to bother them. But I hungered for love and affection. And I think I kind of looked up to my auntie because she was the kind of mom that was baking cookies. And she was, you know, um, just engaged with her children. And there was often times that I wanted to join in with them or do an activity with them sometimes I was allowed and sometimes it was like you know um get away from us go over there scram you know we don't want you here and so you know I just kind of learned to deal with it um time later my auntie she remarried because she was a single mom with my cousin she ended up having a little girl and when that happened I was really happy because I was like I'm gonna get a cousin kind of like a little sister you know so for a short time, it was good. But later it was like, you're jealous of her. She's prettier than you. And I don't know why they were intent on keeping me miserable, but that's the way it went. And I didn't know anything else. Um, but when my auntie remarried, my my cousin's dad, they moved away for a little while. And she left my cousin P with my grandparents. So we were just, it was just us. And she was with her husband. They were pregnant later. She had my my cousin. And then they came to live with us. And uh, for the first time, there was like a male figure around, like a father figure. And this was my uncle. He was a Persian man, Uncle Uncle Ali, I'll call him. And um, I was kind of jealous. You know, they did their family outings as well. And sometimes I wasn't allowed. And because of that, it just kind of got it in my head. And I one day proposed to my mom, why don't you remarry? Why don't you you know, I don't mind if you give me a stepfather and even step siblings because anything's got to be better than being here. Like I wanted to move out of my grandparents' home and my mom just told me, oh, you're crazy. How are we going to make it out on our own? What if this guy beats me and abuses you? Like she was so, she was not open to it. I kind of was starting to feel shame or that there was a big difference between myself and the people that I that were raising me, a um, couple of things that bothered me was, um, you know, when I was in school, I often heard my my schoolmates talk about their mothers. Some of them were nurses, some of them were um, secretaries, even like there was a variety of jobs. And my mom, she never worked in her life. My grandparents kind of let her slide and supported her along the way. They just always said she was sick. She was nervous. I knew something was wrong and I begged her to take medication. And she refused and said that I didn't know what she was going through. Um, medication just left her feeling groggy or sleepy. Um, but I, you know, begged and pleaded and told her, if one little pill can change her outlook, at least for me, can you, can you please comply? And I was always told... Mind your business, leave me alone. That's my business, that's my life. So along the way, I just got a notion in my head that my mom should remarry and give me siblings. Anything was better than living the daily hell I would endure, like beatings from my cousin or you know being made fun of by my auntie until I was left in tears. Um, but my mom just always told me that I was crazy, that she didn't need a man, Um, What if he ends up being a bad person and he hits me or abuses you? And so I said, well, let's you and I move on our own, mom. And she said, again, you're crazy. How would we possibly survive? Because the thing is that a lot of people didn't know about my mom is my mom didn't even know how to drive a car, never attempted it, and barely read on an elementary level. She didn't cook. She second-guessed herself a lot. And had never worked a day in her life. She wasn't an educated woman. um, But at the same time, she was overprotective of me. She wouldn't let me go anywhere and monitored everything I did. As I got older, um, I I just couldn't understand how I was related to any of these people. Here was my aunt, who was incredibly mean and hateful. There was my mom that was scared of life and pretty withdrawn. And it almost felt like we never bonded. My other auntie, she was just busy taking care of her ailing parents. You know, my grandparents at this time were um, having some health issues. And she would play mom to us kids when our moms were off, you know, off on their own. My auntie, you know, she took most of the load Um, She was the one that attended parent-teacher meetings and stuff like that for for us. They were just so different for me. They had a different mindset, like I said. And, you know, everybody else had a father. Everybody else had siblings. And I often thought to myself, how nice would it be, you know, walking home from school, come home to a home-cooked meal. Sometimes I was coming home from school. And as I passed each house, you can smell, like, the deliciousness, like, Every mom was, you know, cooking for her kids, and I kept thinking maybe possibly today's the day, you know, I'm gonna come home to a warm cooked meal, but nope, I'd come home to a cold house where sometimes there was people engaged in a fight. There was either a yelling match, maybe even physically fighting. A lot of times, my auntie and my mother would get into these heated arguments, and they would physically hit each other, and I would come home to that. And even though I went through that, I still managed to stay in school and keep straight A's because I think school was kind of like my sanctuary. That was my time to get away from (laughs) all the craziness. So I did really well in school in spite of everything that was going on in my life. You know, it was just kind of disheartening that I'd get home about 3 p.m. to a sleeping family. Like my mother was probably in bed, didn't want anybody to bother her with the door closed They had no concept of time, no hot meal, maybe some ramen noodles or a sandwich that I'd prepare for myself. You know, that is to say, as long as my cousins weren't like, oh, you ate my food or my auntie telling me that I'd, you know, got in her pantry or something. It was just horrible. And by the age of about 10, maybe or so, I began trying to find this ghost dad i call him ghost dad because that's what it felt like just you know i had his pictures my mom often talked about him a lot of times the stories changed or didn't didn't really fit in with what she told me previously but i always had this curiosity and you know i'd known that my mom and her friends and my aunties were into dating foreign men um And at school, when I began to tell other kids, my dad was from Iran. I was Persian. I was teased for it. I encountered racism for the first time. Um, Not about my Hispanic ethnicity, but my Persian side. I was ridiculed and called camel jockey, sand nigger, towelhead. I was asked if I was a terrorist or if I knew how to make a bomb from scratch. Um, The fact was that it was in the news every day during that time in the 80s. You know, late 80s or so. It was after the revolution. And I decided to delve a little more into the culture and get to know exactly why people viewed Iran in such a negative light, why they hated them. Um, I heard the term Iranian revolution a lot. I learned about the war and how they overthrew the Shah. So Shah means king. And so they used to have a system where they were under a king or the Shah. And a new era came about once the Ayatollah um, came into power. So they kind of overthrew the king. And this is when Iran got really strict. It's kind of like North Korea. It's very religious, very structured. People pretty much, um, they lost their freedom. Before this, it had been a rich country, a a prosperous country. People just lost their voice and their freedom. And um, I guess it was at about that time that I dialed the 411 operator to connect me to Iran um, to locate the man called Ahmad, the one that I grew up hearing so much about, the one whose photo I once carried in a locket that my mom had given me, the one who I had many photos of with my mom on dates, you know, out and about in town, San Antonio, Texas, um, the Riverwalk and stuff. This is where I was born. Um, but I didn't think I resembled him at all. I searched my face in the mirror, trying to find like any, any link, any ounce of resemblance. And I just didn't, I didn't see it and I didn't feel it. But the adults in our lives, they kind of spoon feed us. This is what it is. This is what you're supposed to believe. And I accepted it. Um, And You know, when I called, I learned that there was nobody in Abidjan, Iran, by that last name, by that first name. So much had changed due to the war. Families had even moved away. So I hit a dead end. And even in those days, you know, it was hard. There was no Internet, no way to connect and search. So I gave up for the time being. With anger and frustration, I decided to stop chasing ghosts for my own sanity. I mean, here I was a kid and I just decided I'm just going to give up on this dream. This was the other side of the world and it seems so unattainable and far away, an unknown country, so controlled, impossible for me to even like penetrate, even like how would I even go about it as a kid? Here I was about 10 years old, like how would I even find him? So I started to question my mom. That was the next thing. Did my dad know about me, mom. Did he really? Because you once told me you guys were married and you lived together. And I asked her, when you were married to my dad, did you cook for him? Did you do the wife thing? Because I couldn't see her that way. The mother that I knew, I just couldn't picture her there. Um, And then another time she just, no, we were never married. He was my boyfriend. So I questioned my mom, and when my mom led me to dead ends, I went to my auntie. My auntie would tell me a lot of things, and my mom would tell her, like, don't tell her that. Why are you putting that in her head? And, you know, they'd fight about it. And I just began thinking, was I unwanted? Did my father know about me? Could there be anyone else? My mom gave me a final story. She told me that during the time she was talking to my father, or well, my alleged father, uh, he had gotten reassigned to another base. So when they met, the whole time they were together, this relationship was because he was stationed in the same city. But there came a time that he got reassigned to another base. Um, she said that she possibly thought he may have ended up in a base in California, but she wasn't sure what which base or what city. Um. By that time, she, by the time she wanted to tell him that she was pregnant, is this is what she told me. Um, he was gone, first of all, to the base in supposedly California or maybe even to Iran. And she, she had decided to end it. And I asked her, why would she possibly end a relationship with a man whose child she was possibly carrying? And she said, you know, there was rumors Um, They had like within their circle of friends, I guess some of her girlfriends had told her that they'd seen him around with another woman in another state. And she just decided to cut it off. No questions, nothing. She just moved on. I thought that was a bit odd, but that's what I was told. Um, She did tell me, however, that as time went on, she decided to tell him about me Um, when I was about two years old. She wrote a letter to him at an address that she had for, she had an address for him in Iran because during the time that they dated, his mom, um, which would have been my grandmother, used to mail her little gifts and packages and like a little jewelry box. Another time, some pistachios and things that the country is known for. So based on that, she had kept the tag and she wrote a letter to this address. She mailed pictures of me She said, this is your daughter, and, you know, explained. um, She was hoping to get back a call or a letter or anything. What she got back was a letter written in Farsi, and she couldn't read it. So this infuriated my mom because she was pretty Um, hot-headed. She was just infuriated, and she wanted to rip up the letter. But my auntie told her, well, let's go, you know, to one of our friends and have them read it and translate it. And what they told her was that it was written to a brother or from a brother. And all it was, was um, the brother asking the other brother about his travels and how he had been. So that maybe the envelopes got mixed up and each letter went in the envelope that didn't correspond to it. Mm. But she, she didn't, you know, she was like, oh, this is BS. And she did end up ripping the letter. Which she told me that looking back, she wished she hadn't ripped it because she may have you know, been able to save it and give it to me. I, I did wish she had saved it, but there was nothing I could do at that point. And that was another dead end. So, you know, um, I knew that I was Persian, but I had been raised Hispanic. And I wasn't even in touch with my Hispanic roots. I just felt American. I tried to kind of seek out the Persian community. I didn't know any other children that were Persian, any other people that were Persian, although my mom did, but this was years later and I didn't know any of them. The only person that I knew was my uncle Ali. Um, He was my uncle through marriage. As a matter of fact, my aunt Elle, her two kids, myself, and all of my mom's friends apparently had Persian or have Persian kids. Um... My cousin P that was older than me, the one that had bullied me a lot when we were younger, Mm -hmm. um, he was her son from an ex-boyfriend, but he was not in the picture. And my younger cousin S, the girl from Uncle Ali, um, by this time, they'd had marital issues and he eventually demanded a a divorce. But these are two stories in and of themselves, maybe a story for my cousins to tell one day. Maybe not for me to discuss today, but the one thing I can touch on is how my views changed by the knowledge that I'd learned. Um, In the 80s, maybe 90s, there was a movie with an actress named Sally Field. It was called Not Without My Daughter. Mm-hmm. And it kind of told the account of a woman who had met and married an Iranian man. Eventually, she ended up moving with him to Iran. Well, once they got to his country, he was not the loving, caring person that he'd portrayed himself to be, you know, they were in love and he was just this gentleman and so kind. But once they got back and he was in his homeland, he beat her and he treated her so poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, They spoke of how, you know, in the movie and stuff, it points out how men in that culture are superior to women. Um, They can have multiple wives. Well, anyways, she tried to leave in the in the movie. She tried to leave the marriage and flee the country, but he wouldn't let her. Um, it was like a nightmare for her. And the main thing was he wouldn't let her take her daughter out of the country. He kind of told her pretty much, you can go if you want, but you're not taking my daughter. And so the whole movie is her fighting to be able to take her daughter home. Mm. So basically because of... Movies such as this, and in those days that they, you know, it was always in the news about Iran and the Middle East and the wars, people feared Iran. And I believe that a lot of these women feared that the fathers were going to kidnap the children. You know, he could take custody or just kidnap them. And as the mom, you couldn't really do anything about it. Like maybe on the United States side, you can. But once you're dealing with that country, you know, they would just conceal it. So I think that that may have had a big part to do with why my mom was so secretive. I mean, it's in, in the media a lot that in many Middle Eastern countries, some women can't drive or vote. And that bothered me. But I can say now that my facts may have been wrong because some of these things are far-fetched. But at the time, people did believe it. Mm-hmm. But you know, nonetheless, at the time, I was neg- negatively influenced by this. It it stayed with me, you know, it was a strong thing. Also, um, since I knew no other Persians on rare occasions that I did ever meet one, I was overjoyed and I wanted to pretty much learn everything I could about them. I was so curious as a child Mm -hmm. when I tried to pick their brains. Once um, I met a taxi driver who was Persian, my auntie and I were coming back from some errands and I noticed his accent and the decor in the car. And I looked over and they have usually like a little driver's permit tagged in the car or posted in the car. And I just asked him, um, by the way, are you Persian? And he said, yes. And I said, really, so am I. You know, my father was Persian, but I really didn't get to meet him because of the war. And, you know, I just had this whole conversation, the whole car ride. And. I just told him that I'd lost communication with my father due to the war um, and I never learned the language or got really, I never really like submerged myself into the culture. And so guess what? He told me he offered to give me lessons in his home, Farsi lessons, so I could learn the language and some of the culture. He was so nice. He was like, oh, yes, my wife will cook Persian food and I'll give you some lessons. And I was happy, but I mean, I was a child. Mm. Um, he told me that he had a wife and kids. They'd love to connect with me. I was over the moon, of course, at an opportunity, you know, to do that. But of course, of course, when I got home, my mom wouldn't hear of it. And I was told I was completely crazy. And even for engaging in conversation with this stranger that I was just completely bonkers. She just told me, you know, you're not going to this strange man's house. What if he kills you? What if he assaults you? My auntie said that he seemed like he was harmless. She was like, no, he was really nice. I don't think he'd do that. But I do have to agree with your mom that you probably shouldn't just go and intrude and go to their house. It's not appropriate. So that killed that little dream. Hmm. But months later, this really impacted me. Months later, um, my cousin told me, what was that cab driver's name that you met? And I told her, and she's like, um, I think he was assaulted. He had been robbed and assaulted, and he ended up in critical condition. Um, time later, we heard that he passed away. And why? What was his only crime? Being a Middle Easterner, a Persian man. This really, really impacted me. Along with the whole woman's rights thing, I was just confused about everything. So, since I had come to so many dead ends, to deny my heritage, forget about my father. I mean, I'd never known him. You can't miss what you don't have, but I did. So I just continued, decided to continue being a Latina and knowing only one side of the family. I buried it. Now was my life up until about the age of 12. In my early twenties, I was in college. I was also married by this time and I already had children. Um, I was working at a call center. So I was your operator, your 411 operator. I would connect calls. Mm-hmm. One day out of curiosity, it just came back into my head. I just started, you know, I couldn't get out of my head because um, my husband, who was like one of my biggest supporters, he was like, why don't you try again? Try looking for him. Reach out to him. You know, we have a little thing called the Internet now. So one day on my break, I... You know, because curiosity had struck, I began to use the directory for personal use. We were allowed to do that as long as we did it on our break and it didn't impact our work. So again, I search for that name that, you know, was always echoing in my head. Ahmad, Ahmad, that was the name she told me. That was what my father's name was. Right on the screen, his information popped up. I couldn't believe it. He had an unlisted number, but his address was there. That was the key. I printed it out and took the information home with me. And guess what, Lily? He had a California address. That night that I went home, I had the paper with me and I was trying to take it all in. Um and I and I talked with my husband about it and he was like, "Yeah, reach out to him, write him a letter. Explain to him, introduce yourself, just tell him, "Hey, My name is Adi, and I've been searching for a long time. I think you may possibly be my father. So that's what I did. I started thinking maybe it we would be solved, and I could put the pieces of the puzzle together. I asked my mother one last time, "Mom, are you sure that this is my dad? Because I'm about to write to him and embark on this little journey." And she sounded irritated. Of course, that's your dad. No, there's there's not. Um, it couldn't be anyone else. That's your dad. He was my boyfriend. I've I've told you the story. So I sent a letter introducing myself, my kids. I enclosed pictures of each one of my kids, um, told him stories and how I always wondered about him and I wanted to meet him. And I didn't want to bring problems to his life. I just wanted to know, know if we were related, know their health history. You know, like every, everybody says, I just want my health history, but I wanted answers too. Mm -hmm. Um, I never had any anger. I never resented him for leaving. I also didn't dream that, you know, one day my dad was going to come back and make it better. I just had this curiosity and I wanted to know him. And I know that as humans, people make mistakes sometimes. And more so, he may not even have known that my mom was expecting. One day he called. I was so happy and I was nervous. I almost didn't almost didn't take the call. I was I didn't know what to say. Um, but I did and I explained and I told him, You know, I, I know you read my letter. Do you remember my mother? He said, Yes, I remember your mom very well. And he said, Did she tell you the story? And I it sounded strange at the time, but I just said, Yes, I know the story that you guys met, you were dating and you got assigned to another base. He's like Oh, maybe she didn't tell you the story. He just kind of told me like that my mom in those days was a heavy drinker and that when he met her, like there was another guy and she had been crying. I don't know. I didn't really. I kind of changed the subject on him. Um, And he just painted a really pretty picture for me, Lily. He just said, if we end up, you know, if it ends up that you are my daughter, I would love for you to come out visit with us. My wife's okay with this too. You can join us for holidays. You're not too far. You're in Texas. So even though I still had like a small doubt, you know, painted this pretty picture for me and I ate it up like candy. I wanted that so bad. So even though I had doubts still lingering in the back of my mind, I wanted that happy ending more. I was so close. So we left it at that. And a few weeks went by. The the day that the results came, he called me on the phone. And I had been working a lot, trying to save some money for my trip to California to meet my, was it, two brothers and two sisters. So he called that day and he said, hey, how are you? I've been trying to get a hold of you for a few days now. How come you don't answer your phone? Uh, And I found it strange. You know, I had been working a lot. I, I was wondering why nobody else had taken the call or they deliberately ignored the call. Um, I either put him on hold or I told him I'd call him back. And I went and I talked to my husband and I said, have I received any mail? Did I receive a letter? Is there something here? Because I haven't, you know, I haven't seen anything. And he's like, oh yeah, I think, yes, a letter came for you and it's in your mom's room. At this time, my mom had, I had taken her to live with me. He went and got the letter for me as I waited anxiously and, Happily, you know, waiting for that moment. I returned to the phone and as I saw it, I was opening it up as I was like, okay, I'm back. I've got the letter here in my hands. I looked down and I saw that we weren't related. I couldn't believe it. Even now thinking back about it, it still stirs up emotions. Mm. I felt like I had gotten kicked in the gut or something. I As much as I tried to hold it in, I cried. I couldn't. It just, it was my first reaction. I tried to hold back the tears, but I couldn't. It was apparent. My voice was trembling. My hands were shaking. And all I could tell him was, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I offered to pay him back the cost of the test because in the beginning, I offered, I I forgot that part. Um I offered to pay but he wouldn't hear of it. He was kind, he was a gentleman, he was well-mannered. But when I found these results, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'll reimburse you every penny. But he wouldn't hear of it. He's like, "No. Don't worry about that. I'm worried about you. Are you okay?" He said, "I, you know, I wanted this just as much as you." Mm-hmm. And it would have been really nice, but it just in the end it wasn't it wasn't true and he said, "I'm so sorry." And he wished me luck in my search. And then, you know, he just asked, he brought that up again. Um, Maybe it's time that your mom tells you the story. And um, that's when he kind of elaborated or expanded and said, the night I met her, she was really upset. Another guy had broken her heart. And I think you need to go find that man. So I told him, thank you. And I'm sorry if it brought any problems to him. I hung up. I hung up. I took it all in. I was breaking down. I ran. Of course, I'm in my twenties and I was like really mad. I ran to my mom's room. He's not my father. I told you he was not my father. I felt it. Why did you lie to me, mom? Why did you lie to me? She's like, no, no. You know what? I think they tampered with the results. Didn't you say his wife is like a nurse or a doctor? They tampered with those results because he doesn't want to be held liable. And I said, "Liable for what? They don't owe me child support. I'm not after any inheritance. I just wanted to know them. You lied or you got your days mixed up, so you better start talking, Mom, please. I'm not judging you. I don't care what you did. Just give me some names." No, no, it was only him. It couldn't have been and I couldn't get her out of that. It was just him. There was nobody else. You know, I couldn't mm-hmm. So, what did I do? I stopped talking to my mom even though we were under the same roof. About 4 months passed by and I wouldn't talk to her at all. Mm-hmm. I just was like I hate her. Like in my head I just hated her. Of course, these are the emotions of a young woman. And my husband would tell me, "Hey, you need to give your mom a chance. We're all, you know, we're all human. We make mistakes." Don't judge her so harshly. And so as time passed by, um, it was either Mother's Day or my mom's birthday that was approaching. And I started to miss my mom. And I one day approached her, and I had no words for her. I just went in and gave her a hug. And she hugged me back really tight. And that was it. I forgave Mm -hmm. her. And I just... I didn't say anything the first couple of days. Later, I asked her for a name. And she told me, you know, there was this one guy. um, There was a one-night stand. But unfortunately, all I have to give you is his name. It was Nasser. And I don't have anything else. I don't know his last name. I wouldn't know how to find him. And I said, okay, well, at least it's a name. But I pretty much gave up again because... It's kind of hard. It's kind of heartbreaking. It's a lot. So I was like, well, I have this name. Maybe in the future if I decide. And I left it at that. And that was in the early, mid, early 2000s. So time passes by. And then Ancestry comes along. And one of my cousins, as a matter of fact, my cousin S was like, hey, you know, I just did my Ancestry. And I found out that I'm this ethnicity and da, da, da. And she was talking so fast and she was like, why don't you do yours? And I said, no, what would it change? I've, you know, I've already realized that I've hit a brick wall. Like I have a name, no last name. What is that going to get me? Heartache, a family that rejects me. So I kind of just brushed it off and maybe a year or two went by. In the course of that year or two, I connected with my auntie Elle. And I said, can you tell me anything about back in the time when I was born? It was right at the height of the um, Iranian uh, revolution, Lily. And for people that don't know out there, that was in about seventy nine eighty, is when all this was happening. Um, and so I asked my auntie what she could tell me. And she said, well, your mom had a lot of boyfriends. Your mom was a really beautiful girl. And uh, she went through them just as fast changing underwear (laughs) she said she'd be with one she'd get bored or tired something didn't work out she'd have another boyfriend and I said oh except for my father right except for Ahmad she said yeah she did stay with him a bit longer but I think she cheated on him so my auntie gave me a new name she said she used to talk to a guy named Khosro. you need to find Khosro. I said do you know his last name and um do you know how to spell his name? So I kind of wrote down what she told me and I like did variations and did some Google searches. And I found a man by this name. He was an engineer and a professor at a university in Texas. And I think he also part time was in Florida. So I found him on a couple of social media places, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook. I found a number for his office and I left him a voicemail if he could please call me back. Um, I got a call back from him one day and I started, hey, you know, my name is Zoddy. I was hoping you remember my mom. Um, I think you may possibly be my father. And I just hear silence on the other end. And he just said, I'm sorry, you've got the wrong person. He hung up on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And for years later, I, well, not years, because this happened during the time that my cousin had taken the ancestry. It was probably a year and a half time period. But I kept trying to, get in touch, see if that was the wrong person. I showed my mom one day a photo. And she said, yes, that looks like Hosro, except he's older and he's lost some hair, but that's him. And she said, but he couldn't be your dad. I talked to him um, maybe two years before you were even born, so that, that couldn't be him. So you're barking up the wrong tree. But just from the response I got, He hung up on me. He blocked me. He tried to do everything. He went in and changed like how his name was listed. I was like, boy, this man sure is going through a lot of trouble just to keep me from (laughs) reaching him. Maybe it's, you know, an issue with the wife and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was painful Mm because it just makes you feel rejection. By this time, you know, I had gone through two different men. Uh, both of which I hit a dead end. Mm. And then I had the other name floating around, the one-night stand guy, which my mom was pretty much leading me on a wild goose chase. I, What can you do with just the first name? Having a name as such as Nasser is the same thing as John. How many Johns exist? Millions. Oh. So I was just like in denial. I didn't want to take an ancestry. I was afraid of what I was going to find. I just felt so much rejection. I tried to act like, I don't care. I'm happy. I don't care. But one day I did it. Because by that time, my husband had taken an ancestry test. Because he, I I don't know if he did it just to encourage me or if he really wanted to just know his ethnicity. But he took his and he ended up being, despite the fact that he was born in Mexico, he's like over 50% European. Most of his bloodline is from Spain. So he would. He was encouraging me to do it. He was like, hey, how do you know you're even Persian? Just because your mom and your aunties dated within the Persian community. For all you know, you're from Honduras or Mexico or New Zealand. You don't know where you're from. And the color of your skin doesn't define you. You should take a test because for all you know, you're Mexican. Some Mexican guy met your mom one night and lied to her. (laughs) And it was kind of, it was funny, but it was hurtful. So I finally took the test. I took ancestry. Um, one thing I forgot to mention is that I had tried to take an ancestry test in prior years. But at that time, there was no way to link your paternity. If you were female, they could only trace back your maternal line, which was the empty DNA. And they said the only way I could trace back a father was if I had a brother to go off of. And I was like, well, that helps a lot. I have no siblings. So that's why I didn't want to do the Ancestry when my cousin told me. But like I said, eventually after my husband did his, I got mine done. I ordered the box. I left it sitting there for about two months until I finally spit in the little tube and sent it in and waited. And I figured I'd get it back in, what's the time, six to eight weeks. But three weeks later, one night, well, actually early morning at about four in the morning, My phone was going crazy and I woke up and it said, your results are in. So I opened it and I was trying to navigate and figure out, you know, the first thing I noticed is that I was about 51% Persian, 33%, 31% Native American from Mexico and the early Americas, and then bits and pieces of other little, other little things. So that's what my ethnicity is, Native American and Persian. Mm. Not even so much Mexican. Um, so I saw my ethnicity and I knew it confirmed that I was not Venezuelan, not Russian, you know, I was Persian, just like my mom said. Okay, so we got that part right. Now let's see. And I since my husband had so many matches and everybody, I figured, okay, I'm gonna open this thing and it's gonna show sisters or something, unless, of course, they don't live in the U S so of course I opened it. And the first thing I see is nothing but my mom's side of the family cousins and people that I know in real, in real life. And it kind of angered me because I was like, I should have known even taking a test. Not going to help. I mean, I know my ethnicity now, but I still don't know where I came from. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just, um, closed that off. And I started, I joined the groups on Facebook. I don't remember how I came to learn of them. I think I was Googling DNA um, and I found out what MPE meant. I kind of felt like a false MPE because although I'd been given a name, um, I never knew. I never did have a father in my life at all. I went on the groups that I found out about Search Angels. And I contacted um, one or two of them. One of them responded and told me, I'd be happy to help you once I told her that we were dealing with Iran, other side of the world, she said, you know, I'll see what I can do. I'll go in. You have to grant me access, but we may hit another brick wall. I just want to let you know up front because countries like that usually don't test. So she went in, I gave her access to my account and she began to kind of separate what was my dad's from my mom's. However, once that was done and I went in, what I encountered was people that I knew in real life, in person, cousins, aunts. Um, and then further like down, I saw maybe like two cousins. That was all that was on my dad's side. And one was like an eighth cousin and one didn't even say like third or fifth. It just said distant relative. So there was only two people on there and of the two people, um, I didn't really think I'd get anywhere, but that's when I started, um, I realized like the knack that I had for, I guess the genealogy side of it, because on, because on my mother's side, um, I always, it always fascinated me. I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that we are MPEs, but at the time I, you know, I wasn't even thinking that. And when I was little, we had like a family reunion and stuff. And, I always knew whose mother was what and this cousin and that cousin and his grandpa's brother, you know, I kind of would link it. As a matter of fact, people in the family would ask me, Hey, are we related to such and such? Or do you know? Cause for some reason I have like this photographic memory. So when you like give me a name or tell me something that's, I guess of interest to me, I'll just remember it. So Hmm. I started kind of doing that and I saw So if this was like an eighth cousin, that means that we share a great, 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 great grandparent. And I started kind of trying to figure out because I I could do that on my mom's side. The only difference was even though I had the version of Ancestry that allowed me to match records, I couldn't access anything from Iran. It's a closed off country. You know, as much as I tried, um, I kind of did hit another brick wall. I did email the cousins and they were just like, Oh, hi, cousin. Happy to meet you. One of them was in London, UK, and the other one was in Iraq. And he was like, wow, I didn't even know I have Persian relatives. I'm from Iraq. I was kind of mad again, frustrated. Um, I ended up talking to my auntie again and asking her what names she could remember from the past. I talked to my mom and my mom said, you want me to remember something that happened 30 some, almost 40 years ago? Um, that's difficult. It's been so long. So one night I remember like I had it heavily on my mind, like heavily. I kind of like lie down and go to bed. It was kind of like if you're meditating and I was just thinking back on all my memories and I remembered a name, Jalal. And the next day I asked my mother, mom, you? I remember when I was a little girl hearing the name Jalal. That was one of your boyfriend's I remember you talking about him. Um, Could he be my father? She's like, no. And I said, were you dating him around the time that you dated Ahmad? And she said, well, what does that matter? He's not your dad. I already told you, don't go looking for anybody by that name. He's not your dad. And I said, how do you know? And she said, because he's too pretty to be your dad. He was good looking. He was light complected and he had hazel eyes and you just don't look like him. (laughs) <laughs> I was kind of offended mm-hmm. and I said but you never know a child doesn't always have the skin color or eyes of the parent you just don't know she said no it couldn't have be him I hate that man don't bring his name up and I didn't understand and when I asked my auntie I said do you remember Jalal she said I remember your mom talking about a man named Jalal but that wasn't her boyfriend that was like her Kind of like a friend with benefits or just a hookup. And I was like, do you remember his last name at all? And I, re- I remember my mom saying it started with a B. Bankel. Bankel. That's what my mom would say. And it stayed in my head because what had happened, I forgot to mention. One day I had a third cousin. And her name was Fatima Banki. And I just thought it was so similar. That's what got me to start going back in my memories. And it just sounded so similar. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, my mom being not so well educated, dropped out of school. Maybe, just maybe she got the name wrong. It was off by a letter or two because it just sounded so similar. And here I was with a third cousin. I know for some people, they see a bunch of third cousins and they think, oh, I'm never going to know. But I see a third cousin or a fourth cousin. I can work with that. Because that means that possibly we share a second great grandparent, but our grandparents may have been related. Maybe her grandmother and my grandfather were siblings. You know, I knew how it works just from knowing so much about my mom's family. And so I contacted the third cousin, and I first, because I was reluctant, asked her if they had anybody named Nasser in the family, which was the name of the supposed one night stand. And she asked her parents, it took a while, a couple weeks passed by and she said, oh, we don't have anybody by that name. And I was like, okay, let me ask you another question. Do you by chance in your family have a family member named Jalal? And she kind of got silent and said, you know, we do have a person named Jalal. He lives in Iran. He's married. He's got daughters. And as a matter of fact, this is my dad's cousin. He did spend time about four or five years abroad. And I just felt like that was it. And the last name was so similar. He had spent time abroad. She said, my dad's going to try to contact him. because She had already told her dad but they haven't talked in a long time. We don't know how the family is or how they live. Well, when she said that, I didn't really know what she meant by how they live. I guess what I ended up understanding is depending on the culture, if they're really religious or not, that would really determine if he'd even acknowledge me. She We ended the call on that, and she said she'd contact me as soon as she knew anything, and her dad was going to try to, like, Kind of ask without asking, you know, to other family members and try to get his number or something. But that wasn't good enough for me. And something inside me was like burning to want to know. So I went where everybody goes, Facebook, mm-hmm. and tried to look for Jalal Banki instead of Bankel. And nothing was coming up. And I knew that a lot of Persian people don't have Facebook. They have Instagram. That's what's popular Actually, Persian people that live in Iran, not the ones that live in the United States, because I believe the country has certain websites blocked completely. So I went in and I started looking for Jalal Banki. Nothing was coming up, but I was finding other bunkies, and I started contacting them. Do you know a man named Jalal Banki? There was um, Tiara. There was Asa, Mariam. I contacted them, and and then I thought, okay. Maybe he wrote his name in Persian characters. Here I am typing it up in English. So I downloaded the keyboard, wrote his name in Persian, looked up the alphabet. You know, I'm not too familiar with it, but I had some knowledge because as I mentioned earlier in the story, my mother and her sisters, they actually knew a little bit of Persian. So I typed in the name the way it was spelled, but in the characters and boom, there you go. He pops up. There was a picture of him in uniform back in the late 70s. And as I scrolled through his Instagram, it was public for one. And two, it had highlights. I clicked on something that looked like a diploma and there it was in my face. Language certificate, pilot certificate, Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas. And I knew at that moment. And there was a picture of him. He looked exactly like I did as a child. And I had never seen anybody that looked like me. Because, you know, I was the different one in the family. I wrote him on Instagram. Messaged him, hoping to get a letter, not a letter, but like a response from him. And time was passing and nothing was happening. And then on or about January, because this was, remember, this was like New Year's when I talked to the cousin and found out. And then on or about January 6th or 7th, I remember because it was a few days before my youngest son's birthday. Um, one of the cousins replied to me. But we were struggling a little because she was talking Persian. I was talking English. She knew some English. And she told me, I know Mr. Jalal. He's my uncle. My father is his brother. And she said, are you my cousin? And I said, well, I believe that I'm his daughter, but I need to get a hold of him. And she was like, I haven't talked to him in a lot of years, unfortunately. Um, My father passed away when I was young. But I'll try to see if I can find some contact information. So, you know, I went looking through their friends list to see, and I had contacted some people. Um, one of the cousins, another cousin replied and said, you're my cousin. You know, you have three sisters. You have three sisters. You have many aunts and uncles. Nobody even questioned the fact of whether or not I was his daughter. Maybe because I told them I'd taken an ancestry test and it led me down The rabbit hole, you know, and I found Fatima and I found my uncle Saeed. Um, Nobody ever questioned it. And because one of the cousins gave me names, I looked up those names and I found my sister. And I reached out to her. And this happens to be the sister that is about three years, maybe four, younger than me, which was born after he got back to his country after the revolution. Well, during the revolution. Um, I contacted her. She wrote back to me when well, she was messaging me audio clips. They were in Persian and it, they were really fast. And I was like, hold on, hold on. I'm understanding every 10th word. Um, and she's like, oh, it's okay. I speak some English. And immediately she said, you're my sister. She said, can we video chat? Mm-hmm. And. I said, sure. And so I, we like had a, she gave me her phone number just immediately. She was so eager and trustworthy. Um, she gave me her number. I downloaded WhatsApp and we talked through their video chat. The, and the minute the call was connected and we saw each other's face, she said, Oh my gosh, you could be my twin. You look like me and I look like you. And it was, she was like so accepting and loving. And I told her to tell me about the family. She told me about my other sisters. And I said, I want to contact them. And she said, Well, I'm going to tell them about you slowly. We don't want to rush it. And then I told her I contacted our father, but he hasn't replied. And she said, You know, my father, he's different. He's a really. Strange character, she said, after the war, um, I imagine he went through some trauma. She said, a lot of times he's not too social. He doesn't keep in contact with many people. He just retreats to his room. She said, I think it's just effects of the, the war. She said, so don't feel bad if he doesn't reply, but I'm going to work on it. I'm going to try to reach out to, you know, our other family, reach out to our dad and see if I can't get them to, talk to you. Of course, she, you know, she told me not to reach out that she would do it from her end. I had already contacted my other sister without knowing because the cousin that gave me the names, I sent um, messages to each sister. So the next maybe two days later, my other sister contacted us. And the same thing, she said, I spoke to my sister and I saw your message wow, I can't believe I have a sister in the United States. That's so cool. And she told me about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a bachelor's degree in music, but she returned to school and she's um, in law, um, law school right now. Well, Actually, she's done with the law school. She was about to take the boards at the time. And the first sister I talked to, she's a geologist, works for the government. So here are these like highly educated women. And I kind of knew I kind of, I just felt that connection, even though we weren't in person and they were so warm and welcoming. Um, so I figured it would just be a matter of time before I talked to the third sister. However, my older sister Sanam told me um I talked to Yazzie today. It's like Jasmine, but Yasmine, I talked to Yazzie today and I told her we have a sister. And she was smiling and she seemed really curious. But um, just give her some time. I said, oh, you told her about me? She said yes. And so I just figured it was a matter of time before she would talk to me like the other two sisters did. And they were so kind. But um, she didn't. And I didn't try to push it. And I didn't try to reach out to her because I figured she would do it of her own accord. So a little more time passes by and, you know, the days were going by and my father hadn't replied yet. Um, the cousin came through, cousin came through, sent me his number. Once I had his phone number, I was able to message him through WhatsApp. And this was the most horrible, disappointing thing is that I would message him He didn't see them right away, but once I saw that he was seeing them, because you could see when somebody's online, Mm -hmm. and I could see that he was reading the message, and it looked like he was starting to type, but he closed it out, Mm. and then the next day, and the next day, and I was like, hey, I see you're online. I just wanted to say hi. Um, I hope you got my message on Instagram. If not, my name is Adi. My mother's name was Mary, blah, blah, blah. I just kind of reiterated everything, and... Still, he wouldn't reply. He wouldn't reply. And it was killing me. And it was angering me. I was like, okay, if you don't want anything to do with me, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And I told him, I'm not after anything. I'm an an adult. I've been raised. I don't need child support. I don't want your inheritance. I don't want anything but to know where I come from. Can you please talk to me? And nothing. And then exactly a week passes by. And he replies, I'm so sorry. I'm ashamed. I didn't know I had a daughter out there. But the pictures confirm I can see that you look like us. You look like my daughters. You look like me. And you're related to my cousin. He's like, I remember your mom well. But I just didn't know. And so there we had a conversation going. And one of the things he told me is, please don't contact my family. And I was like, oh, I've already talked to my sisters. It's okay. I've already talked to aunties and uncles and cousins. It's okay. And then he told me that he really didn't want to tell his wife yet. His wife, my stepmother, had two years prior an open heart surgery. She had, I don't know if she had a heart attack or something was going on with her. And she had, I think, heart surgery twice. And she's really critical. She's even on oxygen and she's weak to the point where just sweeping or, you know, washing dishes will tire her out. So she's delicate and they were afraid. For her health, that this could something, a shock such as this could harm her. So I respected that and I didn't say anything. But as time went on, I grew closer to my sisters and my dad. National Siblings Day comes around and I posted, Hey, it's a little late, but here's my sisters. I'm so proud to be Persian and happy to show you guys my sisters. I posted it on my Instagram. Hours later, my sister calls me. Yazzie's really mad she said you need to take that picture down what if my mom sees it and I was like okay okay I'll take the picture down what's going on and Mm. and by this time I still hadn't made contact with the sister
1: Mm. and
0: she told me she just she just doesn't want to she's not interested in pursuing a relationship right now because You're hidden and she doesn't want to do anything to go against our mom. Maybe one day, you know, our mom finds out and it's out in the open. She'll be more, she'll warm up to you. So I just took it. You know, they kind of made excuses for her all the time. Um, I just took it. Days turned to months and I was thankful for at least a little bit of family that I had found. Um, We video chatted frequently. They chatted with my kids. One of my sisters has a child. I talked to my nephew and... 14 or 15 months passed by, the year spun around, and this all happened. Like I said, New Year's, January. Um, it was the beginning of Corona, it was the pandemic. But in January, it wasn't so prevalent. And in February, it was a little more known. By March, nobody could travel. In the course of that year, we'd made plans and talked about meeting, but it just wasn't a possibility due to the state of the world. And so it just stayed that way until about 14 15 months later after finding each other my father in march decides to go and meet me cuz we'd always talked about how i was going the situation was that i needed to have my father sign off on my birth certificate cuz his name had never been on it i never knew he'd been my dad he needed we needed to like amend it correct it sign off on it and he wasn't in the country But they said there was another way I could do it through email. But it was kind of hard. What I needed to do is get an Iranian passport and have them recognize me as an Iranian citizen. But that required either for me to be present in his country or him in mine. Um, We were trying to see if we could get like power of attorney or something to do that. And on top of that, some countries were closing their borders. So just on a whim my dad said, we always have Turkey. Turkey is a tourist country. It's easy for people to travel. You don't even need a visa. So we decided to meet in Turkey. Um, First, it was just supposed to be my father and I, but then I secretly went and bought plane tickets for my two sisters because I knew they didn't have the means. It's not that they come from like a poverty stricken family because they don't, you know, one is gonna be a lawyer the other one's a geologist my father used to be a pilot um and the other one that doesn't speak to me she's a doctor it's the fact that when you convert the currency their money doesn't have power so although in their country it may when you convert it to dollars it's not like 1 million tomans is not even maybe barely equal to a dollar dollar 50 and this is all due to the sanctions and the things that are going on in the world and you know all the stuff you hear daily from the middle east so mm-hmm. i decided to pay for the tickets and my sisters came i first i traveled to turkey i met my father and it was emotional we hugged and everything i i'm just so bummed that i didn't have a person there to videotape that for us mm-hmm. Then the next morning, very next morning, bright and early, we we went to go pick up my sisters from the airport together. Um, We'd rented a car and, you know, we got in a hotel and everything. And I saw them coming and we ran to each other and we hugged and it was emotional and it was beautiful. But the most I did is take a few pictures I I didn't have. And I really wanted to um, do that for my um, YouTube channel to, to vlog it. So. Uh, we went home. Well, we went to the the place we were staying. Did Yazi?
1: Did Yazi come?
0: Yazi didn't come. Yazi. To this day, we've never exchanged words. She's seen a couple of my messages and never replied. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, the two that came were Sarah, which is the baby sister, and mm-hmm. Sanam, which is the oldest sister after me. Yazi is the middle child. It's always that middle child. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, you guys are definitely sisters. I saw a picture.
0: I can attest to that. And, you know, I just expected to fully enjoy our vacation. So the next day I was like, oh, where do you guys want to go? Do you want to go see the mosques? Do you want to go eat? Let's go explore Turkey. We were in Istanbul. And they they were like scared children, frightened. One of my sisters was like, I keep looking for my hijab. I keep touching my head. I forgot we don't have to wear it here. And they were kind of, because of their culture, not so used to just going out and enjoying. They wanted to stay home and cook and just get to know each other. And I wanted to go explore and shop and buy souvenirs. And, you know, it wasn't so much their culture. They were out of their element. Um, so back to my stepmother. All that time, I just wondered why my father never told his wife anything about me. And it was bothering me because at one point, my auntie told me that she had talked to my stepmom and she told her, all men are bad. I think that he's seeing another woman because he retreats to the other room and he's always got his phone in his hand. And I was like, oh no, auntie, that's me. He's talking to me late at night and early in the morning. Not because he's hiding, but because of the time difference. And well, yes, maybe he doesn't want her to know yet. And I feel that he should not have carried on a secret for almost a year and a half. And I kept telling him, please tell her I don't want to hurt her because I myself, I'm a stepmother. When I married my husband, he had a child. He wasn't sure if that was his child. But throughout our marriage, I made it a point. I told him, you need to find her, reach out to her. And I found her and we reached out to her. And I may have felt feelings of fear or jealousy, not towards the child herself. I love her. Towards her mother, because her mother never accepted me, and it kind of felt like a competition. And early on in our marriage, I questioned, will he go back? Because my my husband is also born in another country. But I got over that, and I love this child, and she's been our in our life for many years. So me as a stepmother, I knew that the longer he delayed it, the worse it would be. And I knew that, you know, since the beginning of time, there's been the wicked stepmother, just like in Cinderella, just like in Snow White. I myself have family members that are stepmothers. And I have seen even friends, some people, you will love other people's kids and some people treat them poorly. And that was my fear is that she would never accept me because it is a difference. People don't talk about it much, but I see it all the time on the DNA forums where, you know, it's like my dad won't talk to me because of his wife or my stepmother doesn't accept me or I cause problems in the marriage. And so I always felt like my dad should have told his wife, but he did it. Even leaving Turkey, he said, I'm going to tell her. I mean, leaving for Turkey from Iran, I'm going to tell her at the last moment, the moment I'm about to walk out the door and get on the plane, then I'll tell her. And that made me feel like my father just lived in fear of his wife. Like, what kind of woman was she if he was so fearful? Either he was fearful of losing her or he was fearful of hurting her. I don't know. I know that she's got a heart condition and everything, but we can't let that stop us in our tracks forever. Even though she's ill and she was in a delicate state, I just feel, my personal opinion, that people use that as an excuse sometimes. I mean, you can't let that be an excuse forever. So um, eventually on this trip, my sister video chat her mom and she said, I was very happy about you and I love you. And she welcomed me to the family. This was my stepmother. So I didn't know what the issue was with my dad. But yeah, we spent, they spent 10 days in Turkey. I spent about maybe 16 days. I stayed a little longer. I did have some issue with the airline and my bags, but it was wonderful. Um, The only thing is the third sister never acknowledged me. And even after returning from my trip, um, I contacted her again and she blocked me. And that's pretty much been it. Um, I'm really happy that I got a happy ending. Not everybody does. And, you know, I just will hope and pray that one day my other sister turns around from it. Because also myself as a stepmother, I've seen where one of my daughters didn't want to accept her half-sister. And to this day, she's got like... I feel jealousy issues. So, I mean, although it hurts, I can understand it.
1: Yeah. It's where we hear these beautiful stories where people connect after years of being lied to and told how many different fathers you've been, you've been told so many, you know, you've been on many different searches for your birth father And then you have this connection with your birth father and your sisters eventually, except one of them, you know, is rejecting you. And it's this bittersweet. You have this happiness mixed in with this sadness.
0: Yes, Lillian, I wanted to add as a final thought. Once I found out who my father was and I told my mother, Jalal Banki is my father. She was kind of like she knew it all along. And I said, Mom, if you knew, why didn't you tell me? And she told me about how they had a fight, like a little lover's quarrel. And because of that, there was an object that he didn't return to her. I think it was pictures. Because of that, she cut him out of her life and just told herself he wasn't my dad. And she was going to just tell me Ahmad was my dad. And in her mind, she really believed that. And I suffered all those years because my mom had a little disagreement with my actual dad. And she knew all along that he was my dad.
1: Oh, Oh, I'm so sorry. You have been through so much of that to to get to the truth.
0: And the other thing that happened is when my mom was saying Bankel and it was Banki, my dad actually told me that when he got to the United States, they translated his name incorrectly to his military documents. So when he went back to Iran, he corrected it. So there actually had been a name change. Not, not a name change, mm. but a correction. Nice. And that was also another thing.
1: If people want to get in touch with you or find out more about your story, could they do that?
0: Absolutely. They can reach me um, on my email, which is my name, Zadi Z-A-R-I, dot Michelle, with one L, M-I-C-H-E-L-E, zadi.michelle. dot Michelle at gmail.com or they can always just search me up on Facebook under Zadi Cardenas, C-A-R-D-E-N-A-S. And I'd love to hear from anybody and connect. Especially um there we're out there. There's a lot of us out there that are Middle Eastern um, and it's hard for them to reach out to that country. And if I can provide any help in helping anybody to link up with their families, I'd be glad to. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much for sharing your story and also so much of just of your heritage as well. It was, it was absolutely powerful to listen to you today. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Lily. These stories are
1: here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. If you are an NPE and would like to share your story, I'd like to hear from you subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us.